breaking it down further right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. It's our buddy Matthew Paris. What's going on, dude? Oh, nothing much. Oh, no. We're, get, we're getting the Darth Vader voice. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Yeah. Hey, why don't you just talk through it for a second? Tell me, how, how did you find out that uh, Luke and Leia were your kids? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I watched, I read the scripts and uh, had to go about that. So, yeah, am I better now? One, two. Yeah, one, you're two. better and it didn't work. It was not, it didn't sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. You're back to normal, Matt. So you heard my keys to victory. No turn. No, only yeah. one turnover for yeah. Sam Howell. Defense needs to cause an interception and get McLaurin over 75 yards. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh, generally so. I would say there are a couple other areas. You've got to shut down that Denver running game because that offense isn't very good. But yet the things they showed against uh, the Raiders were was that they have a kind of opponent. Uh, Running attack with Javante Williams there. Um, seems like that could be a problem. And then the offensive line, you know, has to be better. Can't allow uh, those sacks. I don't think all six sacks were on the offensive line, but you would like to see that group play with a little bit more cohesion, clean up some of the penalties that they had last week. And uh, I, I think those two areas, besides the ones that you mentioned, uh, are the big ones. Matt, so what happened with Ron Rivera telling the media that Chase Young would be available for this weekend. Yeah, no. Uh, he So Young last week, he, he was cleared for contact finally, but wasn't ready for game. So it was really about seeing how he would respond this week in practice. And, you know, he was a full participant yesterday, a full participant today. And so that put him on track to play. It wasn't listed with an injury designation. So he's healthy and ready to go. And uh, they're excited about it. He's going to be on a, uh, a snap count, though. Yeah, and he should be, and I'm interested what kind of difference he's going to make on the edge with Montez Sweat and how it will help Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Uh, but what did you make of the linebacker play in week one, and what were the things that they can clean up for week two? Yeah, you know, I think it, it could be a little better, specifically kind of in the, the passing game. Um, you know, with it was interesting to see how they divided the reps. Cody Barton played 100% of the snaps. Jamin Davis, I think, was in the 65-ish range. Um, Jack Del Rio was saying that, you know, that could differ from week to week. It was more so a matchup thing. But, you know, Cody Barton is new to this defense. He hasn't been around like Jamin Davis has. And yet Barton is the one uh, being trusted with all the responsibilities. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see. Whether Barton can adapt to this defense, he's still working through, I think, some getting used to the scheme coming from Seattle where they do things differently. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think the linebacker play needs to be a little bit better. Matthew Paris with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media at Matthew underscore Paris, Commander's beat reporter for the Washington Times. So last week against the Cardinals, the enemy's first game calling plays in Washington Right off the bat, throw, throw, throw. I mean, he was trying to spread the field and throw the football. But then the game ended with 18 runs to two passes. What are we going to see yeah. against Denver, the first half or the second half? Yeah, I think they'll probably go for a little bit more balance. I would imagine they still try and throw, get uh, Sam Howell into that rhythm with completions. But I do think they would like to go to the run a little bit earlier. I asked Rivera today about – he was talking about kind of generating more explosive runs and the way to do that he thought was kind of leaning more in earlier in the game where, you know, where you're running late like that, you're trying to 
grind out the clock three, four yards at a time. But if they go to it a little earlier, maybe they're able to break something off a little bit more when defenses aren't expecting the run. So they need to be a little bit more balanced, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, credit the enemy at least for making the adjustment when the passing game wasn't really working uh, that first game. Curtis Samuel led the team in receptions and yards. Who leads the team in yards this Sunday? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I Let's throw uh, Jahan Dotson uh, in there. I think he was a guy who had a really good summer. Um, could, you know, I, I think Sertan will be uh, probably on McLaurin or shutting down at least that side of the field. And so, you know, Denver has a really good secondary with him. But um, that I think that with Sertan focusing on McLaurin, that should give Dotson uh, some room to work. And, you know, he, he's also a threat in the red zone. And so getting him more involved there, I think, can help Washington's offense a lot. Let's focus in on Sam Howell a little bit as the Commanders go across the country facing off against the Denver Broncos. If you're in Richmond, you can hear that game on the Odyssey app or 1140 AM WRVA. So I watched the film, Matt, and my biggest takeaway from Sam Howell was when the co- when the coaching staff helps him out with the play calling and the, they're moving this moving the chains, he's really comfortable. Anytime he faced like a second and twenty, you know, or or even a second and twelve, and they were behind the sticks, I felt like he forced it, and that's when he had what I call four different interceptable balls. He ended up with one interception, uh, but four different interceptable balls, and the most positive plays that he had were the throws inside the hash marks. That's what I noticed, Matt. Yeah, I think with Sam Howe, the big thing is getting rid of the ball on time. I think that that's an issue that you see a lot with young quarterbacks in particular. But I think if you look at some of the sacks that Sam Howe had, they were a result of him just holding the ball too long. Even on place, he weren't, wasn't sacked and you know had to throw the ball uh, underway under pressure. It was just because you know he, he didn't make his read quick quick enough and stuff like that. So. You know, they need, I think they need for him to be a little bit better. But look, I mean, this is a guy with two career starts. He's in his second season, yeah, but he's still relatively young at 22 years old. So I think they expect this to be a little bit of a growing process. And so uh, I wouldn't necessarily expect a perfect performance uh, from Sam Howell on Sunday. But what you want to see if you're a Commanders fan, or if you're the Commanders in this case, you want to see that growth and him learn from his mistakes. How many big plays do you think the Commanders missed week one against the Cardinals? I, I saw a lot of people were talking about the Deami Brown play where he ran in motion, then yep. beat his man. I talked about yesterday the play action to Gibson in which Terry McLaurin beat his man on a post route. How many big play opportunities do you think the team missed? Yeah, you know, I would go the other way as well. I think the defense, as well as they played, they dropped like three passes. That could have easily been interceptions. Cam Crow had one. Percy Butler another, and then that fourth uh, and ten stop, or that fourth down stop at the end of the game, near the end of the game with Emmanuel Forbes, he broke it up, and that was still a big play. But he could have had an interception there as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there are opportunities on both sides of the ball um, to kind of have these kind of game-changing plays, but uh, they didn't need them in the week one, I guess. Matt, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. That's Matthew Paris, Commander's Beat Reporter for the Washington Times. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We celebrate playoff baseball returning to Richmond, Virginia at the Diamond next Tuesday with Trey Wilson of the Flying Squirrels coming up next. 
Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, if you're enjoying the program and you miss any of it, you can rewind on the Odyssey app or check out the podcast. All my buddies listen to the podcast. They're busy during the day. They're working desk job 9 to 5, and they never have time for AWOD. So they have to check out the podcast. Well, you can too. It's on iTunes, Spotify, and more by checking out Best of AWOD Radio. We post a full hour of the show every single day that is available for you on your ride home. So there are a ton of good NFL games this weekend. We've gone through a few of them. Starting with the 1 o'clock Packers at Falcons. That was my zero-star game. A lame game and I will not be watching. Uh, Raiders at Bills. I gave that one star. That should be a good game. I think Bills will win. I'm going to go on record picking the Bills, but I think the Raiders will keep it closer than a lot of people imagine. Uh, Ravens at Bengals. That's another one-star game there. Uh, Definitely good matchup there. Both teams didn't look sharp. I'm going to predict the Baltimore Ravens to upset the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. Lamar and the offense had some rust week one. I think they get going week two, and that Bengals offensive line is just garbage right now. Two-star game, Seahawks-Lions, that is a solid game, really. I think the Lions can win here, but the problem is is the Seahawks are a playoff team, and I don't believe they will start 0-2. I think this is a pick I'm going back and forth between that game. Have not given my official prediction yet. Chargers at Titans, both teams are desperate for a win. Not sure this will be entertaining, though, because I expect it to be a low-scoring game. Uh, give me the Chargers. Bears at Bucks. Bears need a win. But I think Baker's going 2-0 this year. It's going to happen. Baker and the Bucks over the Bears. AWOD certified game of the week. Chiefs at Jags. So I love this matchup here. Uh, Drab T-shirt agreed with me. It's going to be the game of the week. It should be a very high-scoring affair. Give me the Chiefs to not start the season 0-2. Give me the Chiefs to win this game in Jacksonville. Uh, a rematch of the AFC playoff game last year in which the Chiefs won. Colts at Texans, snooze fest, no thank you. 49ers at Rams. The pay, on paper, the Niners should blow them out, but I think it ends up being a close Niners victory. Giants at Cardinals, give me the Giants to win this game. Jets at Cowboys, lock in the Cowboys. Dolphins at Patriots, I think the Dolphins start 2-0. They looked like they had the best offense in the league. Saints-Panthers is a snooze fest. Brown-Steelers should be an entertaining game. That's always a good Rivalry, But we are celebrating on AWOD Radio today as last night the Flying Squirrels clinched the second half title, locking themselves into a playoff spot with a 7-3 win. Richmond will host the Divisional Series opener next Tuesday at the Diamond against the Seawolves. That'll be Tuesday with the first pitch scheduled for 635, and that game can be heard on 910 The Fan, and one of the voices of the Flying Squirrels is with us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. It's Trey Wilson. What's going on, Trey? Adam, what's up? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So take me back through the the festivities last night as the Squirrels have now won 12 of 14, got the win 7-3 to three to clinch a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was another great game. This team's red hot. Uh, hard to find a team hotter anywhere in baseball right now than the flying squirrels uh the game started out a little 
a little bit uh, concerning. The Flying Squirrels didn't have a base runner the first five innings. Uh, the Erie pitcher Ty Madden was was dominating, but uh, they went to the bullpen and uh, had a perfect game going going into the sixth. But Victor Barracoto broke that up in a hurry, hit a solo home run, and over the next uh, couple of innings, the Flying Squirrels piled up seven runs, pulled ahead seven nothing, and then it was just starting to count down the outs and. Uh, yeah, after that, the guys had a very mild on-field celebration, just some high-fives and hugs. It wasn't like a, a big, like, you know, World Series-looking type of celebration there. They know that there's still work ahead of them. And uh, then they made their way over to the clubhouse and uh, had some bottles of champagne and had a little bit of celebration. It was great to see them get to kind of let loose and celebrate this accomplishment. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that are here were part of last year's playoff run as well. It's so hard to get into the playoffs anywhere, but especially in this league where only four teams out of the 12 get in, two teams from each division. And uh, these guys have fought really hard in the second half to put themselves into a good position, not just to get in, but unlike last year where they, they struggled a little bit down the stretch, this year they're playing their best baseball at the right time and are going in uh, really, I think, having the rest of the league a little bit on their heels and a lot of eyes on Richmond. Love that, man. Game one of the Southwest Division Series will be played at the Diamond Tuesday night, 635, as the Squirrels host the Seawolves. So you mentioned the second half of the season, they've, they've really turned it on. One of the hottest teams in minor league baseball as of late, 12 of the last 14 games, have been big Ws. So what's been the biggest difference in August and September, Trey? Uh, they found the home run ball again. That's been one big thing. Nobody's hit more home runs over the last three weeks or so than the Flying Squirrels. Uh, they're just mashing homers. barracoda has been a big part of that. Um, really going back to that two-week road trip where we were in Portland, Maine, and Hartford, Connecticut for a couple of weeks. Um, the pitching's been outstanding. Uh, at a time where a lot of other teams this time of year, you know, at this point we're 130, 135 games in, I think. Teams are looking a little, a little aghast, looking <laughs> like they're, uh, they're, they're kind of feeling the, the long season. But th- this Richmond team doesn't look that way at all. There's more life than there's been all year. Uh, a lot of that has to do with leadership and, and motivation and Dennis Pelfrey and uh, the coaching staff getting the guys fired up, explaining to them, you know, keep reminding them every now and then how important this is to Richmond. But they don't really need a lot of reminding. Uh, our guys talk about it all the time. They love being in Richmond. They want to bring a championship to Richmond. Uh, we've got the best fan support of anywhere in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, just finished leading the nation at our level and attendance again for the second straight year. And the guys beat off of that. So they really want to bring a championship here. And I'm sure that that's driving a lot of the success that they've been having over the last couple of weeks. Trey Wilson, voice of the play-by-play of the Richmond Flying Squirrels, alongside Blaine McCormick, is with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. All Squirrels games can be heard right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Last year, I was so happy to be out there broadcasting live for the playoff game and then took in that home game. The crowd was electric. It felt like everyone in Richmond was backing the Squirrels. The runs didn't go their way, uh, but I'm wondering, are there still tickets available, or have fans just bought them out like crazy already? They're moving pretty fast, uh, which is a great sign. Uh, a lot of tickets for Tuesday's game have been sold. There's still a good bit left. You can go to squirrelsbaseball.com slash tickets and get them there. You know, last year we clinched the first half, so uh, they were. we knew for months that we were going to be in. This year it's been, a, you know, you have to wait and uh, make sure that you're going to be in a good position. So uh, last year we saw the largest playoff crowd on record in the history of the league. This league goes back a, a century, and uh, – 
that was that was great to see. It'd be great to see us uh, get close to that mark again. Pack the stadium on Tuesday, and uh, you know we'll, we'll keep our focus on Tuesday for right now. Is obviously the next step is to beat the SeaWolves in the division series, the rematch of last year. This is kind of becoming a little bit of a rivalry. So yeah. That makes it fun. These two teams have been the two best teams in the division the last two years. And then hopefully if they can take care of business game one, uh, we'll come back up here to Erie for games two and three on Wednesday and Thursday next week. If they can win that, uh, they'll go play the Northeast Division champs on Sunday night, next Sunday night. And the good news about all this is the way the calendar shakes out is that if the Flying Zero is going to win a championship this year, it's going to be at the Diamond. It's going to be in Richmond instead of on the road. So, um, obviously, let's pack out Tuesday. We're going to keep the focus on Tuesday for right now. But uh, a little bit down the road, it would be great to see the team come back home, host some championship series games, and uh, get a chance to celebrate a title in front of the home fans. But there are a few hurdles that have to be cleared first. So Tuesday, right now, circle it, get out to the ballpark, make some noise, and uh, see if they can start off the series with a win. Absolutely. I know my listeners are, are fired up to get out to the Diamond. So what do you guys have planned to make this playoff game and that atmosphere a special night at the Diamond? Yeah, we'll have fireworks after the game, uh, just like for all the other big games that are at the Diamond. So, uh, you know, you get to stick around and watch some fireworks. We've got a couple other things we're going to be rolling out here uh, probably a little later this afternoon. Um, but really the biggest thing is that there's a very important baseball game going on. Uh, you know, we'll have some of the entertaining stuff that makes a trip out to the diamond special and fun and unique for baseball fans or non-baseball fans. But when you get to the playoffs, you know, the, the baseball uh, starts to matter just a little bit more. Um, so the biggest thing is obviously going to be this is a, this is a huge game and, uh, and, and getting out there and getting the series started off on the right foot, picking up a win, um, you know, this is two years in a row that this team has made the playoffs. So you start to think, oh, they're in the playoffs. They might be back again. You never know. It was eight years before last year's appearance that the Squirrels have been in. This is only the fourth time in the history of the team they've gotten the playoffs. It's so hard to do. So, uh, you know, take advantage of this opportunity to come out and, and watch a really good baseball game, two really good teams going at it, and, uh, and hopefully step one moving toward a championship. Well, Trey, thanks so much for joining the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Adam. See you at the ballpark. Yep, sounds good. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show. It's 833-804-0910. Supposed to have a call from Santana Moss, one of my favorite Skins players of all time, a legend in the DMV, because he's actually going to be coming to Richmond on Monday. He'll be at the park, RVA, signing autographs and hanging out with fans during Monday Night Football. So we're looking to track down Santana Moss in the next few minutes. would be awesome to get him on the show. Christopher, I actually worked with Santana on a podcast uh, that he used to do about five or six years ago with Travis Thomas. And love Travis Thomas. We have him on the show all the time. And it was so much fun working with Santana. And here's what I want to give Santana a ton of credit for. A lot of these guys, they're great football players. They retire, and then they get into the media. And they're good or they're bad at it, and that's it. They are who, who they are, right? Santana knew he wasn't the greatest, and tried to get better and started doing a podcast and started like, you know, working on his craft. And now he is excellent. 
talking football on NBC Sports Washington, now Monumental Sports, doing radio hits, seeing them on TV across the country. He really has uh, done a great job of developing a voice, a voice uh, speaking on the commanders. So we're trying to track down Santana Moss. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So the big story for the commanders locally, though, was Ron Rivera announcing that Chase Young would make his return. There was a lot of talk last week that Chase Young would be out for the full first three weeks of the season. Well, now he practiced Wednesday, practiced full on Thursday, and on Friday they made the announcement that he would be good to go. How much of an impact can Chase Young make? He's going to be on a snap count. That's not something you want to hear about a guy that you hope can have double-digit sacks this season. But you know what? It's where we're at here. They sat him out for week one because of this stinger. They wanted to see how he would respond to contact. Well, after a week of practice, he told reporters, quote, I'm ready to rock. Chase Young has been cleared and will be active week two for the commanders. I just wonder what they mean when Ron Rivera says he'll be on a snap count. Head coach Ron Rivera said Chase Young had a very good week and will make his debut, but will be on a pitch count, but he will be out there. So if he's going to be out there, he's going to make a difference. Does the pitch count mean, A, we take him off the field on obviously obvious running situations, and then you can have him back out there when they're going to throw the ball, when they're going to pass? It's an interesting um, situation, but... It's one of those where at least he's going to be out on the field, right? That is the most important thing. He'll be putting the jersey on. And so that's a good sign defensively. Offensively, I'm looking at Eric Bieniemy this game to prove to the fan base and prove to the country that you deserve to be a head coach in the National Football League because you know how to make great play designs and play calls. I thought that he did an incredible job in that fourth quarter throwing the game plan on the floor, scrapping it and saying, we're going to win this game in the trenches by running the damn ball. Run the football 18 times to just two passes in the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. You're going to see that a lot more, I think, week two against the Denver Broncos. I told you guys yesterday, I want Sam Howell to throw the ball under 30 times. He threw the ball 31 attempts week one, 19 of 31. I want him to be more like... 23 of 30, right? 22 of 28 or something like that. Increase that completion percentage and lower the attempts because we should be able to run the ball successfully. The offensive line is not great, but they certainly did create some holes and some space for Brian Robinson Jr. And the different playmakers that we have should have given us the ability to run. When you have Gibson that can run around the outside, you have Brian Robinson up the middle, you have the gadget piece of Curtis Samuel, you have an extra blocking tight end in John Bates and Logan Thomas, I think you should definitely be able to run the ball against the Denver Broncos in mile high, and then you let you let Sam Howell try to change the game with a nice play-action fake and throw it deep. All right? Too many times he was holding on to the ball because he was trying to make something happen on first and second down. We need to stay ahead of the chains. First down, run for five yards. Second down, run for three. Third and two, I feel a lot more comfortable about Sam Howell making the play. I told you guys I did did the whole film review yesterday, three pages of notes, and the biggest themes were 
that when Sam Howell is in rhythm, after a positive play from the team, you get a positive throw. When the team has a negative play, like a flag, a pass interference, a holding, a false start, and they're behind the sticks, that's when Sam Howell forces it. He stays in the pocket too long, sack. He uh, tries to force it downfield, interception. He's running around circles going nowhere, fumble, return for a touchdown. When they stay ahead of the chains, he's successful. So I'm looking for the entire team to help Sam Howell out, right? Like I said, Sam Howell can win this game with one turnover. We can't win the game if Antonio Gibson fumbles the ball again, right? The offense needs to help Sam Howell out by running the ball successfully, McLaurin, Dotson beating their man, running some good routes, then working into the gadget guy of Curtis Samuel. And Logan Thomas, you got to catch the damn football. I mean, it's as simple as that. He, he's getting paid $8 million. Uh, he was targeted eight times. He had four drops. That's $2 million per drop right there um, by Logan Thomas. Cole Turner's going to be involved more because he was impressive in preseason, was my preseason MVP, and had that big catch in week one for 17 yards. I think they could get him more involved uh, week two if you just get him on the field more. I, I don't know why we see so much of John Bates. I get it. It's because of his ability to block, and it's going to help in the run game with a tight end blocking there, and they keep him in pass protection as well to give Sam Howell more time. But you need your playmakers on the field, and I need Cole Turner to get more targets week two for the Commanders. Defensive side of the football, we mentioned it. Chase Young will be back. But Montez Sweat was the MVP of Week 1 for the Commanders. If Montez Sweat can be the MVP again Week 2, get after the quarterback, get a sack, maybe force a fumble once again, that's part of the Commanders' keys to victory right there. Montez Sweat was a, a one-man wrecking ball. A one-man wrecking ball. Can he do that again? Will it be Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen? I just wonder, like, what happened on the sideline? There must have been a conversation. There must have been a conversation, or Jack Del Rio changed the game plan because the second half of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter, it was a different defensive line for the Commanders. They were breaking past the Cardinals with ease. I mean, they were fighting through double teams. Deron Payne was and getting it in the backfield. You had so many tackles for loss in the second half. I wonder why they started slow. Right? They let the Cardinals get a field goal after the Commanders went down the field and got a touchdown. They let them go down the field once again before half and put another field goal on the board. Can we get stop after stop after stop like we did in the second half of the game? Can we do that in the first half? Because I think that will ruin Russell Wilson's confidence and it will change the Broncos' game plan and it will lead to a Commanders' victory. The Commanders have a rare opportunity to go 2-0 and and give themselves a 62% chance to make it into the postseason. The first time they would be 2-0 since 2011. I believe they get it done. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. It's 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Welcome back. Final segment. Of the week, I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open. You could be the quarterback, GM, or coach of this segment, 833-804-0910. Give me your prediction for the Commanders traveling to Denver to face off 
against the Broncos. 833-804-0910. So we're doing our Odyssey NFL Survivor Pool. And uh, week by week by week, we're tracking to see who around the office survives. And we did have a few casualties week one, but don't worry. I've reached out to everyone, and they have officially bought back in, including my producer, Christopher. You're back for week two. I am. Well, thanks to Zach for that. All right. L- let me hear that NFL theme music here to get me excited for the Odyssey NFL Survivor Pool. So, Christopher, last week you chose to listen to your host, Awad. I went with the Seahawks. I don't know what happened. Honestly, the game was close for a while, and then the Rams just blew them out in the second half. Matthew Stafford lo- looked like Matthew Stafford that was winning Super Bowls. So, I mean... Unlucky I had, there. Unlucky. I had a really, really sad Google search yeah. on Sunday, seeing that score. So, what are you thinking for this weekend? You have to go on record. I know. Well, you know, I, on the one hand, I, I'm thinking, do I want to listen to you? Uh oh. Do I do I trust you? But I I looked at the, <laughs> I looked at the numbers. I looked at the line. I did my research. Yeah. And and the numbers say Dallas, and you're saying Dallas. So I'm gonna give you one more chance. And I'm going to go for the Cowboys Ooh. for this week. All right, give yourself a ding for that. I like that pick. Solid pick going with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I mean, look, the Junkies said today there is 0% chance that the Cowboys lose to the New York Jets. I don't think it's 0%. I, I would probably say 5%. I mean, look, the Jets' defense can make it a game, but most likely the Cowboys' offense will score more points than Zach Wilson and the Jets. We've got the Zach attack in here, the voice of God, Zach McHugh, and you did not like when I laughed at your Lions pick. It was it was like um, your boys looking at you like you just got dumped, like it was a laugh of of embarrassment. <laughs> you know, one of those laughs, like ha ha, why did you make such a stupid pick? And I'm like, well, I- I've researched this. You know, I like Detroit, especially at home. Yeah. Uh, Goff is on fire. He loves playing at home. At least he did last season. Yeah. Tons of weapons. They're fast. I mean, their defense plays. I think I think they're really a, a legit squad this year. Seattle, bad defense. You know? I really think that uh, Detroit could hit them up, like hang a 40-burger on them this week. I, I, I think that if Ma, if Amon, Ma, Amon Ross St. Brown gets going, yeah. the Lions will win this game, right? Because that's the thing is Jared Goff needs a weapon on the outside to go to. Yeah, and they'll have uh, Jameson, right, later yep. this year? Yeah. I mean, he's suspended, but, uh, you know, Montgomery's a great success there, sort of rejuvenated, gets the hard yards, and then the, the rookie is out of hand fast. So the most popular pick here at Odyssey Richmond for the NFL Survivor Pool is actually the Buffalo Bills. Olivia in on the Bills. Gary Hess in on the Bills. And the big red dog, Clifford, in on the Bills as well. I didn't want to go Bills. I didn't want to go Cowboys. I figured a lot of people would take those lines. Christopher, I'm proud of you, though. That's good (laughs) research by you. Um, (laughs) That's why I went Lions, too. I want to also save Cowboys a little bit later on this year. Bills, I don't think, are for real yet. They've got a lot to prove. uh, But maybe they become themselves a little bit later on after a rocky start. But I didn't want to use them this week, either. So, Christopher, I told you last week to pay attention to the line. And the number one thing that sticks out to me if you're looking at a game to pick, is, well, what's the biggest line? The biggest line currently is Cowboys minus nine. So good that pick. Was, that was exactly what Cowboys. I looked at. And that's the why I second that. biggest line right now 
is on Josh Allen and the Bills to not, just simply not go 0-2 and to prove that the Vegas Raiders are fraud and the Bills are at home. And I think that is a solid pick. I, w- I would be completely shocked if the Bills went 0-2. If the Bills are 0-2, they're going to be 0-3 because next week it's going to be the Commanders. And what have I been saying since preseason, since uh, Diggs was whining about not making the cover <laughs> of Madden? Yeah. I was like, arrow down, dude. I know. Arrow down. But that's the thing is that, uh, you know, Michael Phillips' take was kind of, he blamed Stefan Diggs for kind of ruffling feathers in the locker room and making Josh Allen force him the ball. I'm blaming Josh Allen. Yeah. I don't think he's got the IQ to realize, hey, freaking Aaron Rodgers is out of this game. If you don't throw an interception, your team wins. Well, he threw three of them, you know. To also, the same guy. Also, if he's calling plays at the line, I mean, you got to cut that out. And yeah. they need to establish some sort of running game. Like uh, last year, they would do it. They they would have a great first series, run the ball well, get good chunk yardage, and then for no reason whatsoever, just leave the ground game. Right. I don't get it. And they're doing the same thing now. And defenses are going to game plan for that and say, all right, yeah, we will sit back for you because we know you're either going to run, just have a spy on him, and then sit back. Because if he doesn't have anybody open, A, he'll force it or, or throw a pick. B or C, he'll tuck and run, and then they can tackle him. Yeah, like that's a that's a pretty good way to defend the Bills right now. Another popular pick here are my my uh, my grandmother in the building. Jenny went with the 49ers. Rick is in on the 49ers as well. Uh, Lacey with an interesting selecting selection. She is drinking the Baker Mayfield Kool Aid. She's picking the Bucks. Up. To defeat the Bears. I looked at that, too. I, I looked at that, too, because here's the thing is, Justin Fields just looked awful week one. He can run the ball. He just can't throw. And I said the same thing when he came out of college. But everyone loves to hype up these rookie quarterbacks. I put an end to that. All rookie quarterbacks are going to suck this season. I've been screaming that at the top of my lungs. Bryce Young had a terrible uh, week one. Easy, buddy. Uh, Justin Fields... Is going to struggle all season long. He's just not good enough at throwing the ball. I do like the Bucks to beat the Bears and go to 2-0 this season. Uh, another one that's in, Jeff Wicker going with the Eagles. So he's already gotten himself in. into week three. How oh about boy, that? Wicker. Wicker and Wild right there. Um, and then still waiting for picks from Josh Carter, Cat Simons. Uh, BZ's got to make his pick as well. I will go on record right now. All right. Look, I've got to stick with the theme. You look at the board and you say, what jumps out? What is screaming at you? There are three games that are screaming at me. San Francisco against the the Rams. Rams? The problem is, it's in Englewood. It's in California. The Rams are at home and Stafford looked good. And Shanahan and McVay always rivals. That's a rivalry, right? And that could be a real defensive battle, low-scoring game. Second game, we already talked about that. That is the eight-point spread of Raiders-Bills. But I've got to circle back once again to Jets-Cowboys. I hate that I'm leaning Cowboys. Every bone in my body, every ounce of blood hates everything about Dallas. Hates the stupid star that they wear on their helmet. I want to pull my pants down and take a you-know-what on the star. But I'm going to select the Dallas Cowboys. The Jets are not a good enough team offensively with Zach Wilson. They looked great defensively, though, and I'm a little scared of Brees Hall with his 10 carries for 127 yards. Isn't he questionable? But the, Yeah, and here's yeah. the thing, though, is that the Dallas offense, though, Dak Prescott only threw for 143 yards. He's going to improve off of that. 
He'll get over 200. Dallas might not cover the nine-point spread, but lock it in. AWOD Survivor Pick of the Week is the Dallas Cowboys. I might have done some more research. I thought they had to be turned in yesterday afternoon. <laughs> well, that was the rule. Oh, that was okay. the rule. So pay I, up, everybody. I, 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 Buy I, back in, everybody. I, I extended it. You extended. I've extended it. Yes. I, Did I, I miss that email? No. Here's here's the problem. All right, is that several. Um, we on. might be under protest, Christopher. <laughs> right. Fine. You want to protest? We can protest all you want. As the commissioner, I heard back. I listened to the audience. I listened mm. to the feedback. Okay. A lot of the the lovely ladies at Aussie Richmond wanted the ability to go home and discuss with their husbands. I see. All right. Amy said, I'm not submitting a pick until my husband tells me what to do. So the picks will be in by Saturday morning at 12 noon. If I didn't love the lovely, the Odyssey Angels here. Yes. I, uh, I'd probably put up more of a stink. All right. <laughs> go Jets. You really want this money. <laughs> <laughs> it's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.